few times in my life I felt like that fish. All of them go in one direction and I felt like I've been going the other direction. And some people say, hey, you're different. We don't want you to be a part of this group. But God says, no, I accept you. We also know that he says we're valuable. Isn't that interesting that we're worth something? I don't know if any of you ever grew up and had somebody say, you're worthless. You're not worth a darn to me. Or something much worse. But God says you're so valuable, I'd send Jesus. He also tells us that we're lovable. Now, I don't know about you, but there's sometimes I'm not the most lovable person in the world. I can be heavenly sandpaper, too. You know, I sometimes tell people that Nancy and I have been happily married for 42 years, 44 years altogether. Now, that means there are a couple of years in there that we add up the days that didn't go so well. There were days that we just weren't very lovable. And those of you that have been married for any length of time have to admit that. I still remember the story about uh, somebody who sent Bill Bennett, the former Secretary of Education, a wedding announcement that invited him to a wedding for a couple for as long as love would last. And so he said he sent them an appropriate wedding gift, paper plates. <laughs> he said, because sometimes you just wake up and you don't feel that lovable, and sometimes you aren't. But God never wakes up and has a bad day and says, you know, Muriel just ticks me off. You know, God never has a bad hair day and says, Derek, boy, are you going to get it today. He loves us all the time. We also know that we're forgivable. And that's important for us to know because some of us still, even as we pray today, have not fully forgiven other people. We've held grudges. There are some of us who don't feel as if we've been completely forgiven. And I've learned in my life that people who cannot forgive other people probably don't understand the forgiveness of God to begin with. I had to learn that. I think it was a person who used to hold grudges a long time ago, but it suddenly dawned on me one day that God, who would find me acceptable and valuable and lovable and who would forgive me of all the nonsense I'd ever done, Maybe I ought to do that too. Or otherwise, maybe I should stop praying that prayer we pray all the time and forgive me my trespasses in the same manner in which I forgive others. That's a dangerous prayer, friends. He also sees us as capable. In other words, we can do something. We're capable of doing something. We're not nobodies. We're not people who are talentless. God's gifted us with a variety of different things. Now, with all of that being said, what should that move us to do? If God sees me, or he sees Wayne, or he sees Elaine, he says, you know, here are people that are acceptable, or valuable, and lovable, and forgivable, and capable. What do I need to begin doing? I need to begin to see other people the same way. And that's our second message today, which is seeing other people as God sees them. You see a Bible passage on your message outline, 1 John 4, 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. I can't say, oh wow, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And then look at Jack and say, but Jack I don't particularly care for. It doesn't work that way. If love, God's love is real to me, it needs to manifest itself in the lives of other people. St. Augustine said, love slays what we have been so that we may be what we are not. 
Now think about that one for a while. Now in this little story that I shared to you before from Luke, Jesus gives us some challenges, and I want to lay five of them out in front of you as you look at other people. Because let's be honest with each other. If you go to the fair, don't tell me you don't look at other people. And don't tell me that you don't make judgments about them. Don't tell me that during communion you are meditating and singing those hymns. I know good and well you're watching everybody else go up to communion. Or am I only fooling myself? And maybe you're making judgments on those who walk up there too. That's some challenges for us. Here's challenge number one. Look around. You know, as Jesus was preaching in the synagogue, and he spotted this woman. Now, first of all, she was probably fairly easy to spot. She's all bent over. It says that she had a spirit. We could talk a long time about, you know, what happens to people who are truly demon-possessed and what happens to them, but this, this demon evidently affected her spiritually. Jesus saw her. No doubt she didn't look really attractive, but he noticed her. Now, sometimes we notice things, too, about people, but we're too busy to stop. You know, when can you see somebody better? When you go by them at 75 miles an hour or when you walk past them? Well, I think you all know the answer to that. In fact, there's a couple of things. In Matthew 9, 36, when he looked out over the crowd, it said Jesus had compassion on people. He was looking at them, and he felt compassion, which is that great Greek word, splanknitsomai, it stirred his guts. That's really what compassion means. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. But for him to feel that way, he had to actually look at them and look around. Out at the fairgrounds this morning, I said, you know, you're going to work out here in the booth. You're looking through the window. All kinds of people come up. You're going to see a lot of people. Take the time to really look at them. A couple of sub-points on here. I really think there are all kinds of people just waiting to be noticed. They're around. They linger at the fringes. They stand outside circles. They're waiting for us to see them. But we're too much of a hurry. I, I'm, I'm as guilty of this as anybody. How many of you have ever done this? Let's say you're at Walmart, and you're walking by, and you see somebody, you kind of like, go, hi, how you doing? And they go, fine. But then they proceed to tell you how they were doing. And you kind of go, hold it. That's not the rule of the game. The rule of the game is, I'm going to say, hi, how are you doing? And you're supposed to say, fine, so I can keep on walking. <laughs> Sometimes people want you to slow down. They want you to notice. Well, that's the second sub-thing. You really have to slow down to see people. Take your time. Look them in the eye. Try to figure out what's going on in their life. I had a friend in my previous church who was so good at this. I could never, ever walk by them and have them say to me, Pastor, how are you doing? Or Barry, how are you doing? And if I said fine, they'd say, oh, no, you're not. And it's like, what do you mean, oh, no, I'm not? And they said, I can see it in your face. You're not doing well. So here's a person who's just not just walking by glad-handing people, but stopping and actually looking in their eyes and see what they see. Here's the second challenge for us, and that's to take a risk. It was a big risk for Jesus to do what he did. First of all, can you imagine in the middle of a sermon in church to suddenly stop and go deal with somebody in church? 
Now, some of you go, what on earth is he up to? Well, on top of that, he went to a woman. And no rabbi speaks to a woman. I'm sorry. In that day, it just didn't happen. On top of that, she was all crippled up. He's taking a chance to do what he's doing. He's stepping outside the box. He's doing something that nobody else in that church had ever done before. You know, they had a banner in their church in the synagogue. We've always done it this way. That hangs in a lot of churches in America, by the way. We've always done it this way before, Pastor. We don't want to step outside the box. We don't want to take any risk. We don't want to rock the boat. Because guess what? If you actually look at somebody, realize they have a problem, and you stop, you run the risk of what? Getting involved in their life. How many times do you read stories about, maybe it's happened to you, you know, and I'm guilty of this. We drove home late on Friday night from, uh, I can't remember, we were at Christ for India Banquet, <laughs> Rockwall, Texas. And there are a lot of cars at night stalled along the highway, blinkers on. And a lot of us drive by and figure somebody else will help. Because if I stop, I'm liable to get caught up in somebody else's problems. But Jesus would say, you know, if you only love people who love you, you're going to get no reward. I mean, even a tax collector is nice to other people. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and that therefore all died. I mean, take the risk. Take the challenge. I mean, Jesus would stop for you. Can we not stop for someone else? There's a third challenge here, and I call it reach out and touch someone. Or reach out and touch. Jesus not only saw this woman, he took a risk, and then he did something that a lot of people don't like to do. They actually got close enough to touch them. When I first started as a pastor, I went with my associate, he actually was the head pastor when I got there, but he bailed out on me and told me I should be in charge. That's, ask me about that someday, I'll explain that to you. But I, he took me around to the hospitals and the nursing homes when I first got there. And I'm a little bit like many of you, when you first go to a hospital, you kind, unless you, if you don't know the people, you always kind of stand a little bit back from them. You, you know, you're kind of doing the Adam and Eve big leap look. <laughs> I don't know, we're, we're kind of afraid to get close to sick people for fear they got something we might get or, I don't know, they're just something in our nature. And the thing I always noticed about Pastor Willie was he'd march right up to that bed and he would take a hold of their hand, he'd shake their hand, and when he'd pray, he'd sometimes put his hand on their head, but he touched people. Last week, you may remember, Anand was here. And he said, you know, with you and Nancy gone from Lord of Life, things are really different there. And I said, really? He said, yeah. There's nobody in the hallways hugging everybody. And I, I think, it, you know, people need a hug. I remember a dear older lady in one of my churches who came up one morning and said, Pastor, would you give me a hug? And I said, sure. And she hugged me, and she hung on longer than I would have cared for. But then it dawned on me, I may be the only person all week who touches that woman. And so I would just say, hang on. You know, H-U-G-S helps us grow some. <laughs> a hug is not a bad deal. A handshake. Touch people. 
get involved with them. Don't be afraid to do that. I mean, that's what Jesus is saying there. Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. It doesn't hurt to do that. Here's the fourth challenge. Expect some criticism. It's not really a challenge, but I just thought, expect criticism. Did Jesus get criticized? Did you catch the word in the text when he did this? The word started with an I, indignant. Who got indignant? It was the local pastor. <laughs> the local pastor says, hold it, you can't do that on Sunday. Nobody heals on Sunday. You got six days, the office is open six days a week, don't bug me on Sunday. Remember when the little children came to Jesus? I always remember that story. I always liked little kids. My wife always says, I don't know why little kids like you. You always kind of pick on them all the time. I said, well, no, I'm kind of paying attention to them. That's what it is. I always pictured Jesus sitting someplace, and the kids were coming. Jesus would come here, come here, come here, little kids. And he had them on his lap, and he was rubbing their head. And I don't know who knows what y'all doing. Feeling that another little guy back there with his little spiky hair. I always love that spiky hair. Love to touch the top of his little noggin. And he was blessing them. Do you remember who got indignant in that story? That word is in there too, indignant. Remember, it was the disciples, his own friends. Don't bother Jesus, he's too busy. Sometimes when you do something in the name of Jesus, guess what? You get criticized. I have no doubt that there some people probably thought I was a little bit loony to do a wedding this morning. A couple of carnival workers. To be quite honest, when they stopped at our booth and said, would your pastor do a wedding? My wife said, probably not. <laughs> because she knows me. And I, I really hesitate to be involved in people's lives that I can't do some form of ministry. But my wife said, I bet he'll talk to you. And I said, sure, I'll talk. And so I went out and I spent time with Jerry and Jennifer and talked to them and found out where their faith was. Now I know that somebody asked my wife, when my wife said, he's doing a wedding, somebody said, are these people Lutheran? <laughs> no more than the babies I baptize. You know, they, they become Lutheran maybe when I baptize them, but that, that's relatively insignificant. It hadn't crossed my mind, as important as Lutheranism may be. One, she was Lutheran. And two, he belongs uh, to the, uh, his vineyard background. Which is really interesting, because I preached in a vineyard church already, in Nizhny Novgorod, in the former Soviet Union. Wonderful people. And I had a chance to talk to them. And, and the interesting thing was that a number of people in our congregation suddenly got involved. I mean, somebody bought them some clothes for this morning. My wife baked a cake. You imagine last night when she had one piece of the cake out and the other two in the oven, the power went out, and we have an electric oven. You know, she was decorating this morning using my little thing that goes over my ear uh, that I read with at night when it's dark. <laughs> and Amber was the flower girl this morning. Janice Murphy made sure that there were other stuff there. We had wedding cake, and people took the pictures. And, you know, we kind of gathered around it. But I'm going to tell you, there are going to be some people who will say, that's wrong. You're never going to see these people again. You know, these are carnival people. I, whatever you're going to say. And I'm just saying, <laughs> that's what you sometimes say to those who have that righteous indignation. Because if you see somebody, what are you going to do? You're going to take a risk. You're going to reach out. You're going to touch people for the sake of Jesus. 
I'm just saying, it'll happen. People will be critical. Here's the last thing I want to tell you. It's called seize the moment. Seize the day. Carpe diem. Seize the day. I skipped the Bible passage, which you might see on the back. Jesus, the Son of Man, came eating and drinking. They said, he eats too much, he drinks too much, and he hangs out with the wrong people. <laughs> I spent a lot of time eating and drinking in prison. <laughs> Some people say, those are the wrong people. No, they're not. They're great people. But see, seize the moment. I'm like you. There are times when people have walked through my life or walked past me or knocked at my door that I was too busy for. When the opportunity knocks, deal with it. The Apostle John says, my dear children, let's not just talk about love. Let's practice real love. You know, there is a time to talk about things. No doubt about it. Things ought to be planned. Things ought to be done decently and in order. But we would never want to be the kind of church that we'd say, well, hold it. I can't help you because we haven't had a class on that yet. Hold it. I can't be nice to you. I'm going to ask my pastor's permission. No, we just do it. Why? Well, let's go back to the beginning. What kind of people are we? We are acceptable people. We're valuable people. We're lovable people. We're forgivable people. We are capable people. We have been redeemed and washed and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. That makes us special people, not people who earn heaven. But it makes us ambassadors for God. First couple of days out the fair, I noticed inside it says officers or people in uniform get their food half price. Well, I got news for you. <laughs> I am an officer in the state of Louisiana. I am an honest-to-goodness good, member of the Department of Corrections for the state of Louisiana, so I had my badge on so I could get my food free, <laughs> only to find out the pastor eats half price anyway. <laughs> but I'm authorized by the state of Louisiana, and when I have that badge on, or if you ever see me with my jacket on, with all the patches and all of that kind of stuff, guess what? I don't wear that if I'm not going to be doing what that talks about. Second day I wore my other little badge in the outline of the state of Louisiana because I'm also a member of the Louisiana State Highway Patrol. But I don't, I kind of wore it as a joke and I probably shouldn't have done it. I kind of did a little bit, but I thought, but when I wear those things, I'm an ambassador for someone else. All of us are called to be ambassadors for Jesus. You go out to the fair, you go to the mall, I don't care where you go, you got your Jesus suit on, really. You got your Jesus suit on that says, hey, I'm not bragging, but I'm accepted by Jesus. I'm not going to brag and lord it over you, but, you know, I've been valued by Jesus. I'm doing this, why? Because, you know, God saw me as lovable, and he saw me as a person he could forgive, and he saw me as a person who's capable of and because of what he's done for me, how can I not do that for you? Those are some pretty good challenges, friends. Slow down a little bit. Look at people. Don't be afraid to touch them. Appropriately, of course. And do it in the name of Jesus. That's what ministry is, really, isn't it? 
It's whatever you do for someone else in the name of Jesus. I pray that all of us will find a time this week that as we're walking somewhere or being somewhere, if we watch, that God might bring an opportunity for ministry into our lives. Well, let's stand, shall we? And let's join together in our affirmation of faith. That's found for you at, on page 3. They kind of speak some of the things that we've talked about today, but let's speak these words together. I am so grateful to be a child of God the Father. He is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. I am so grateful that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross, making atonement for my sins and the sins of many. In him there is forgiveness and life everlasting. I am so grateful to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. He empowers me to forgive others and delivers me from Satan's temptations. Praise God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we lift before you all of the people that are in our hearts and minds, particularly so many of us who have friends and relatives who live along the Gulf area of Texas and even back into Louisiana. We pray that uh, you kept keep people safe and that you restore uh, the power and you know use us too father in any way that we can we can help them to get back on their feet father for those of us here in our own community that you know experience things from power outages to damage to our property uh, lord we just ask that you be with us and sustain our people and again enable us to to surround other people with love as well we pray for Jerry and Jennifer, the young couple who was married this morning. We pray that, uh, you know, as I shared with them, that God has plans for people. And, and their plans to prosper people and to keep them together. That, you know, people would continue to surround them with love uh, so that they would be faithful to one another and more particularly faithful to you. Lord, for all of the people in our congregation who are ill or hurting in any way, we pray that you as the God of healing would touch them use us also as your instruments may we be the kind of people that uh, can rejoice with them too and lord even as saint francis prayed make us instruments of your peace and where there's hatred let us sow love and where there's injury pardon and where there's discord union union and where there's doubt faith where there's despair hope where there is darkness light where there is sadness joy and grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. In the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, you are forgiven. You are the redeemed. You are those washed in the blood of the Lamb. Go now into the world loving as he first loved you, forgiving as he first forgave you. Amen. How grateful we are to be called children of God. Our God saves.